All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. Jeff here, Brad. How are you, man? Dude, I'm I'm getting pretty exhausted. Uh, for those of you who don't know, moving into a new house right now over this week, so lots to do. But I would never let that stop me from talking with you and you guys listening about the NBA playoffs, which have been phenomenal since the playing games. It's been really fun. Yeah, we uh, last Tuesday we covered the playing games, and then we gave pretty much a quick overview of who we thought were going to win each playoff series. We didn't really go deep. Um, we can hopefully do that today now that we know the finalized matchups plus a game or two in some cases has been played. I figured it'd be fun just to kind of rerun these and make sure we don't want to make any last minute changes and maybe some more final. You know, I predicted Lakers in a sweep. Obviously, that's not happening anymore. But am I still with the Lakers? Am I backing out? Um, obviously, you know, your boy Luca took care of business. Are you switching to a sweep? Or <laughs> So we'll we'll. Oh, uh... yeah. <laughs> We'll just start from the top here. Let's let's start in the West. Let's start with the one seed, the Utah Jazz. So that game got finalized when neither of us predicted Memphis to come out of nowhere and uh, John Moranson put this team on his back and beat the Warriors. First off, they beat the Spurs. Then mm-hmm. they beat the Warriors. And then they're like, you know what? Let's just mess around and we'll just upset the Jazz in game one. What's your take so far? Who are you taking now that this matchup's finalized? Um, I did have the Jazz in a sweep. Um, I will have the Jazz still winning the series, but I didn't know Donovan Mitchell was out when I said it was a sweep. Um, not having Donovan Mitchell hurt the Utah Jazz extremely on offense. They need a lot of catch and shoot without Donovan Mitchell on the floor. Um, if he comes back, I don't see Memphis beating Utah at all if Donovan plays at least 25, 30 minutes. But um, even without Donovan Mitchell, I think they'll be okay. They shot real poorly in the first half and still only lost by three. I just think they're much better of a team. But the Grizzlies are better than I give them credit for. You know, they they played well last year and were an eight seed going into the bubble. Kind of fell apart very late there. But, you know, they've, they're an eight seed again. John Morant's incredible. You got to love watching him. You know, he gets to that little spot right inside the foul line. And he makes that jump floater, and that seems to be his go-to shot, and he used it to beat the Warriors. And, um, goodness, Memphis, it was it was an upset for sure, but Utah's still going to take this series. Yeah, as far as Donovan Mitchell goes, apparently he was supposed to play game one. He was like a last-minute scratch. He was pretty he was upset mad. about it. Yeah. He was mad about it. Um, he's going to play, I believe it's tonight, that game. Nope. Take, maybe um, tomorrow. Yep, it's tomorrow. Okay. So that game is tomorrow. He's he says he's gonna play. Um, for me, this is still the Jazz series to take. Uh, Memphis is just on the heater right now, having to basically they're they're right now what the Phoenix Suns were last year. As soon as they got in the bubble, they were just became unbeatable. If if the Jazz drop tonight, they're in trouble. If they win tonight, I think it's over. Maybe five, maybe six games. I think Memphis has to win tonight in order to even give themselves a chance in the series. Utah's too deep. Utah doesn't just have five dudes. <laughs> they got other guys, too. They got, like, seven or eight deep. They I mean, shot Memphis, real poor in the first half. Memphis is really a a, a, a two-guy team. They don't have a ton. John Moran has been putting this team on his back. He's averaging over 30 in his last three. Um, I like Utah to kind of roll once they get going to, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, let's, uh, let's keep it in the West. We'll just do the West first here. This game is tonight. 
um, on NBA TV, I believe. So you got the Clippers dropping game one to Dallas after the Clippers basically purposely tanked in order to get Dallas. They dropped game one. Uh, Luke was incredible. No shock there. Um, where are you at on this one? I know you're, you're picking Dallas, but what more do you Yeah, want? I'm still picking Dallas. Um, I was joking in a sweep. I don't think it will be a sweep. Um, I think it'll take six, but I, I don't know. I, I don't want to predict how many games, honestly. I, I like Dallas here. Luca's got seven career playoff games, all against the Clippers, and his average is 31, 10, and 10. It, they don't seem to have anybody who can guard him. Kawhi Leonard doesn't seem to want to. The Clippers have been extremely late in games, or extremely poor late in games all year. And the way they fell apart last year in the postseason, up 3-1 to the Nuggets. Tim Hardaway Jr., I said a lot rides on him if he can get 20 points that they're going to win the game. Uh, They were really hot from three-point shooting, but Dallas is going to get a lot of open looks because it seems like the only way to even slow down Luka possibly is to double him, and he's too good of a passer. And essentially, we got to kind of rewind our mindset to what we said last year. You know, this exact same thing kind of started to happen, and then Chris Stapps gets tossed out of a game late for, like, no reason. The Clippers win that one barely. Then he goes out with the knee injury, and Luca gets banged up on his ankle. And it was still a series. So I think Dallas yeah. just matches up with this team well. And um, one thing you can't deny about Luca is when he plays other best players in the league, he seems to play his best basketball. And maybe the playoffs are made for him, and it was just a bad stroke of luck last year in his first year, but... I don't think Dallas is a team anybody wants to play in the postseason, and um, I think they'll win the series. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that Dallas isn't really a defensive juggernaut, but it seems like the the Clippers were struggling to score late against, which they struggle to score late against everybody. But um, Dallas has been able to – I mean, they gave them trouble last year too, you know, and uh, I don't know. I think – I don't remember who I picked. This is one of the ones I was flip-floppy on. Um, but I think after seeing Dallas go go in, you know, into L.A. And, and steal the first one, I think Dallas finds a way to get it done. I don't know how. Again, no, I'm not going to predict how many games. But that's my final prediction. I think Dallas steals this series. And I say steal because, like, they're really not ready. They still are probably a year away. They need another guy. Poor game, poor thing is, isn't that guy. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a great three, maybe a four, but he's he's definitely not your your next best guy. There's just a uh, lack of depth for Dallas, and you would think that the Clippers, as, as deep as they are, they would be able to benefit there, but they have no answer for Luka. I, I seriously think there's just this overall, you know, buy-in to the Clippers because of how they were formed so fast with the two stars, and it's like, they haven't really proven to be great. We just thought they were on paper, and they're not really proven that. But this is going to be a super close series. The Dallas Mavericks won all four quarters against the Clippers, but it was by 3-2-1-4. and four. All these games are, you know, all but one quarter is separated by one shot. So we'll see. The, the, the Mavericks had really, really good three-point three shooting, but – there's no reason to think that that won't continue. They were a good three-point shooting team during the regular season. 
But if you get 21 out of Hardway, 18 out of Finney Smith, and Chris Stapps only has to score 14, they're a tough out. And like I, nobody's hyped up or talked about Luca quite as much as I have. So I just get excited anytime he proves me right. Just like I think, uh, forget who shared it in the Real Talk page, but we're all just looking for our sports teams or players to back up our trash talk. And absolutely, Lucas, Lucas certainly doing that at least in game one. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a meaningless stat, take it for what you will. But when Dallas wins the first quarter, they're twenty eight zero after this last game. Um, I didn't know that. That's a fun little nugget. Yeah, you know, it's the first quarter. It means nothing to me. But yep, the fact that they're twenty eight zero. That's that means they get off to a fast start and coast, man. They're they're good yeah. enough to close it out. So, but yeah, you're right. It's not a sample size. That's that's a third of the season. So it's almost half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll keep it moving here. This has been a fun. This is actually another game that's uh, another series that's gone at least two games now. Denver and Portland. Portland comes out in game one and they are unreal, um, and they steal game one in Denver. Carmelo Anthony, I think, had 18, five, uh, five triples. Game two, though, started off the same way. Damian Lillard dropped 32 in the first half. It looked like Portland might literally come in and, and go 2-0. And then they went absolutely cold in the second half. Denver walks away with it. Um, there's, uh, there's no Jamal Murray. I predicted that Portland would upset Denver, and I'm sticking with that. I even love that Portland stole a game. That makes me feel even better. I don't know. I like Portland. I don't think they're going to continue to go cold. Um, Dame Lillard is, he's right there with Steph Curry. I, you know, as far as ice cold shooters and I like Portland to move on here and I'm, I'm doubling down. Um, I actually said Portland as well, thinking about the upset with uh, Damian Lillard. I think they have a better potential to go nuclear. There's some times where their offense just goes insane and you can't really stop them. But I feel like the Nuggets are going to be a more consistent team. The fact that Michael Porter Jr. is there, he's going to give you 18 to 25 a night. Aaron Gordon's a good option. They just got to play a little bit better defense. I think they're they're a bigger team. I think they're going to continue to dominate down low. But they held Jokic to one assist in the first game. That means the shooting was poor for the Nuggets. You know, game two, Jokic goes 38-8-5. He's He's getting whatever he wants, and Dame's getting whatever he wants. So a lot of people I see are putting this series, and they're they're going for Portland because they like Dame, Dame time. And I'm totally for Dame. I love him. But the Nuggets have another player who they cancel each other out. So you got to look at everything after that. And although I think C.J. McCollum's the third best player, I think a lot of the next four or five players favor the Nuggets. So I, I like Denver to win this series. but. This is going to be one that I think is going to go deep. It's it's crazy how many three versus six and two versus seven seeds are are actually really good series. Even one versus eight with with Donnie out over there in Utah. So there's only one series, and we'll get to it probably towards the end. But there's only one series I believe is already over. Um, but it's not Denver Portland. I think that one's going to go quite a ways, and they've been fun games to watch. Yeah, one more stat before we leave this one. So there's two men, two in NBA history that have won a series on a last second shot. Damian Lillard, Michael Jordan. They've done it twice. Pretty incredible. 
Is um, it one a series on a last second shot or have done it multiple times? Multiple times. One a yeah, series okay. on a last second shot twice. Yeah, multiple times. Other people yeah. have won a series on yes. the last second shot, but I get yeah. what you're saying. I'm, yeah. I just heard it wrong. I want to make sure I was pretty, right on that. Pretty, pretty incredible stat. Uh, we'll move on, though. To, uh, this game is also tonight on TNT. This should be big. Uh, Phoenix hosting the Lakers. Phoenix comes in after a pretty nice layoff. They had some time to rest. Um, and they caught the they caught the Lakers sleeping. I thought the Lakers played a pretty piss-poor game. And Phoenix goes up one nothing. Um I think we both took the Lakers. Now that you've seen what you've seen, where are you going on this one? Um, I still like the Lakers. Um, the Suns came out. They were well-rested. They were so much faster. They were first to the ball. And that's not an excuse, but we've also seen that um, these numbers may be off a little bit, but I heard a stat on first things first, I believe it was, that teams that lose the first game of the series in NBA history have like a 27% win rate on the series. LeBron's is 68%. So he oftentimes loses first games. But here's the only reason I'm taking the Lakers, and I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma combined for 13 points, and you only lost by nine. I just don't think that's going to happen again. Anthony Davis played terrible. DeAndre Ayton got whatever he wanted. Um, I do think it's possible for Booker to put up 34 again, but I think that's a huge adjustment. They're going to eliminate Devin Booker and see if Chris Paul on the sore shoulder can can work. Now, they missed shots, but they were able to put Jay Crowder and Ayton in foul trouble early with both having three fouls early in the second quarter. Anthony Davis, terrible game. Kuzma only get, getting zero points. And Booker going off for 34, 8 and 21 and 16. Like, I don't think those are numbers that the Suns can consistently do. They had an amazing game. Both teams on their average night, the Lakers are better than the Suns, I truly think. Um, we'll see if they make an adjustment by moving Andre Drummond maybe to being on the floor when Anthony Davis isn't. So they always have a big. But Anthony Davis... AD was playing too much like KD. He was trying to make jumpers and, like, being super passive. Again, nothing went the Lakers' way, and they only lost by nine. And the Suns went only had 99 points. I don't think the Suns are going to be able to win, only score 99. And Booker had third, a third of their scoring, over a third. 33 exactly would be a third. So, yeah, I, I just think there's going to be adjustments. I think the Lakers are going to win. And quite honestly, I don't think it's going to take them too long. I don't think this game goes past six. I don't see a game seven here. I think it's more likely it ends in five games than in seven, and I like the Lakers. You pretty much hit the nail on the head. You you dropped a stat that I was actually going to drop for this series about LeBron and his, his game one woes that for some weird reason he, he loses game ones. It's like what he does. And then he reassesses and uh, and moves on. But – since you took that one, I got another one. Ooh. 100%. That is the amount of first-round playoff series LeBron has won. He's undefeated. He's never lost. I don't foresee this one happening either. I'll say it again. This is a mismatch for Phoenix. They don't have the size that the Lakers have. And DeAndre Ayton, though he played phenomenal, matter of fact, he put up a Bill Russell stat over the weekend where um, in his playoff debut he scored – 20 and 15 and shot 90% from the field. Like only Bill Russell's done that. So putting up, putting up a nice first game, but 
Anthony Davis kind of had his way all season with with Phoenix, and I I like you as you alluded to, you know, him and Kuzma combined for thirteen. That's not going to happen again. The Lakers aren't going to score only ninety points. They're they're coming off like a one day rest, and maybe it was two days. Regardless, I like the Lakers to rebound tonight and probably beat the brakes off the Suns. Who knows? Yeah. But I do I do agree with you. I think it's more likely this this series finishes in five than seven. But I could see it going six. I could see the Suns getting one more. But Lakers ultimately, I think, pulled us off. So that's the West. That is the West. We'll go ahead and take it up East. Uh, this game will be tomorrow. Uh, Philadelphia hosting Washington. They already uh, they already put away Washington in Game One. Um, I think you had predicted sweep no matter who got there. I'll let you see if you want to double down on that. I do want to double down on the sweep. Um, it seems like Washington has no answer for Tobias Harris. Joel Embiid had a terrible first half. And then, you know, I just – there's only one guy you have to stop for Washington late in games. And there's two, three, even four guys, I think, for Philadelphia that can hit shots. Seth Curry, Danny Green, Embiid, Harris. Ben Simmons in transition still a nightmare. But defensively, the Philadelphia 76ers are really good. And you're, you're only scared of Bradley Beal if it comes down late in games. Because anybody who is watching that game, Washington is fluctuating. And it was good scoring back and forth. Then it hit about late third, beginning of the fourth, and they started putting the clamps on Beal. And Westbrook can't do it himself. And they started to pull away. They ended up winning the game. I think, what was it, like seven points? It was like 125, 118 or something like something that. Like yep, that. 118, 125. So they won by seven. And anyone who watched the last three minutes of that game, it was relatively comfortable the last three or four minutes for the 76ers. I just think that it's just too overwhelming as an entire team. You could argue Bradley Beal's the second best player on the floor, first or second with Embiid. But when you go to the top six, seven players, even eight, I think, five of them are Philadelphia 76ers. It's Westbrook and Beal versus the world. And it was fun in the playoff game, but ultimately the 76ers are too much here. And they're still my pick to make the finals out of the East. Yeah, the thing that doesn't make sense to me is Russell Westbrook towards late in the season when he was chasing um, Oscar Robinson's all-time record or was it magic's yeah no it was oscars oscar yeah yeah he was chasing oscars all-time triple double record he was putting up 15 assist nights and he was shooting the ball like he maybe have like 14 to 15 points he wasn't focusing on scoring he was focusing on distributing and rebounding and their teams were scoring they were beating the brakes off a lot of people you know played really well in the second half of the season yeah and for whatever reason over these last several games He's trying to be a scorer again. It's it's not working. I like he Russ. just chases I, the award. He's there's no secret to what he's just chasing the individual award, and now it's the playoffs, and he wants to you know have the scoring and all. It, uh, that's why I don't like Russell Westbrook. See, I do. I like him, but it's like it's hard to understand his thought process in an NBA game. Like he's not a number one. He's a very good point guard. But he needs to be a distributing point guard, not a scoring point guard. And he needs to be more like Chris Paul rather than more like Steph Curry. You know, because he's not. It's, he, he can't it's shoot like Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons can't yeah. shoot. So he focuses on defense, transition, and passing. I mean, Ben Simmons probably could get triple doubles with the with the size and he handles the ball and everything. Yeah, but yeah. 
I'll be defensive player of the year. He's got his lowest career averages under Doc Rivers in rebounds and assists, but he's a top two, three candidate for defensive player of the year. I, I said this in preseason. Tobias Harris has been having an incredible year under Doc. They're letting him kind of be the score with Embiid, and, and Ben Simmons is bought in, and that's why Philly's the number one seed. But until Westbrook does something like that, which at this point we can all consider he never will, He's just not going to win playoff series. Yeah, I the only agree. Time he's I, I close think is with Harden and Durant. Yeah, I think Philly sweeps them. I just Washington just doesn't have it, and I think Bradley Beal will finally force his way out of Washington after this season. Especially now, it's like I finally have a, a solid point guard, and I still can't win because he's a ball hog, you know. But I mean, he was second in scoring in the league, and they had to have a dominant second half of the season to get in a play playing game. Yeah. Where they lose yeah. one, then win the second one, only to meet Philly in the playoffs. And, you know, he won't admit it, but Bradley Beal can feel it when he's getting most double teams and he's passing the ball and he's just watching shots bounce off the rim or Russell Westbrook step out of bounds late in game. And we can argue if he did or didn't. But the fact that it's even a situation has got to be quite annoying for him. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this next game. Oh, best game of the weekend, I think. Not only the best, not not only just the best, which it was. It was 100% the best game of the weekend. It's the best basketball game I've watched in a long time, as far as atmosphere and competitiveness. And it literally, like, I didn't watch a lot of NBA this year. Um, just been busy with life and still pandemic and yada yada. And this game felt like it reignited my love for the NBA because it was a stereotypical very good playoff basketball game. If you didn't watch this game, and I posted multiple times, I tried to warn everybody as this was happening. Get in there. Turn the game on because it was so good. Um, the Knicks were riding high. Madison Square Garden was electric, and I posted that multiple times. I've never seen a crowd so ruckus for a basketball game. It's just like it seemed college almost, like Duke. or The Knicks aren't used to having – winning seasons like this, at least not in a long time. They came out, and they were hot, ready to go, 15,000 people. But Atlanta, early in the year, they weren't doing what they wanted to be doing. They were struggling, decided to remove their coach, made a coaching change, and they've been a completely different team ever since. And they went in there, and Trey Young did his business, man. What'd you think of this game? What'd you, what do you think of this series? I think this is going to be the best series of all of them as far as competitiveness. I think it's going seven. Um, I don't remember who I picked. I think I picked the Knicks. I don't want to back off that, but it would not shock me for Atlanta to win. Where are you going on this? It's really hard because there's so many different things that this game had to try and like decipher. Like Atlanta won the first and fourth quarters. Knicks won the second and third. There's only one quarter where both teams scored over 30, but you'd like to think that the Knicks are a good defensive team. Why are they allowing over 30 points in the fourth quarter? Julius Randle didn't really play well, only 15 points, but Alec Burke out of nowhere drops 27. Like, what? Ultimately, I think this whole fun stuff between Trey Young and the Knicks fans and stuff, that's a really good storyline, but I still like the Knicks to win this series. Um I don't know if they have an answer for Trey Young, but it's just weird. 
because at the end of the day, you, you kind of have to feel like it doesn't even matter who wins this series. But it's so fun to watch. Like, two teams, it's like, if you were to guess Priesters, you'd been like, Knicks miss the playoffs, Hawks sneak in through a play-in game, and, like, they're the four and five seed, just, like, throwing yeah. haymakers. And the seeds around him, you've got the Bucks and Heat, who most people think are better teams. And it's like, somehow they got sandwiched in this perfect matchup of a team that's explosive offensively and artistic and creative, and then this team that's, like, just wants to hit you in the mouth and grind out points. And it's just a clash of two styles. And what they say, styles make fights. And these two teams are polar opposites. And it's fun to watch them go at it. And the first game was tied until one second left. Trey Young hit the floater and iced it. So I'm going to stick with the Knicks just on pick integrity. But I can't say I wasn't super happy and cheering for Trey Young when he was dropping points. You know, I'm excited. I'm watching the game and the Knicks score with like eight seconds left. And I just looked at Casey and I was like, Trey Young's going to go win this game. It's going to be insane. So she, I got her. She was glued on the TV. And for anybody watching this game, I don't think anybody in here is a Knicks fan or Hawks fan. So it's just nice to watch a great, fun, energetic basketball game. There was heroes and villains clearly and it was just it was just a joy to watch you could not smile get out of your seat hands on your head you know Yao was talking about throwing like fist pumps while you're watching it was just it was an amazing game back and forth the whole way I agree it was uh I just want to enjoy this series yeah and I I hope I and I I I pray that the fans are able to match the intensity from game one. And they probably won't be able to. It was the first playoff game in like eight or nine years, maybe even longer um, for the Knicks and that place. And again, they've been in a pandemic, so they haven't been running capacity and they bring 15,000 strong. That place was, the roof was going to come off. It was so loud. For some of you guys who missed the game, in terms of like the team stats, both teams made 42 shots. Uh, the Hawks had two more three-pointers. They made the same amount of free throws. Points in the paint, 50-50. to 50. Like, assists, 21-17. Like, it was so close the whole game. It was, the problem is, game the, Haw- the, Haw- the Hawks' best player is Trey Young. He shot over 50% from the field. Yeah, he Julie, was amazing. Julie, Julius Randle is their best player for the Knicks. He had a very bad game. He, I think he even shot under 30%. Well, do you have his and, percentage in front of you? Uh I don't, but he had 15 points, 12 rebounds, only four assists. But Trey Young, 32, 10, and 7. And it's his I, playoff I literally debut. want to say he went like 5 of 21 or 6 of 21. I didn't. I don't remember seeing Julius Randle make a shot when I was watching it. It was tough. He had yeah, a really, he really had a, rough he had, game. A, he had a rough night. Yeah. Well, we'll move on um, to another series that I uh, thought was going to be competitive, and it was for a game. Uh, Milwaukee hosting Miami. They take care of business on home floor. They go up 2-0. Uh, game one was a lot of fun. You had Chris Middleton hitting one pretty much at the buzzer. And uh, game two, they just took care of business and cruised one by 30, I think. Um, we both picked the Bucks. I thought it would be close. You didn't. If you changed your ways, you think at this point it's over with. No, I think it's the Bucks. I don't say it's over because... There's only one team that can win a blowout. Like, out of these two facing each other, the Bucks are the only team that's going to win by a blowout. The Heat never will. But on any given night, the Heat 
are a team that gives the Bucks fits. I mean, last night, the Bucks before the game, wrote on the whiteboard, everything's just going to go in. We don't even have to play basketball. Like, it was just – they were chucking everything up, and it was just dropping. Everybody was hot, you know, so – that can happen, but I still think the Heat have the capability to win one or two games. I do think the Bucks win. Um, we haven't touched on it yet. We'll get there soon. But the Nets-Celtics, that's the only series I believe is over. Like, them and, like, there's the Celtics just can't win. But I do think the Bucks take this series. Um, I'm going to say five. I'm going to give the Heat. They're going to split at home here in the next two games. I think they'll get one. But Tyler Harrow is not the same. Uh, Colin Cowherd was saying something today. I thought that was funny. Uh, Jimmy Butler's good, but he's not KD. And Bam Adebayo is good, but he's not AD. Like, they're good players, and they're scrappers, and they're good defensively. But this team does not have enough juice offensively. I think they were hoping for more out of Tyler Hero. He seems to be becoming more of a celebrity than a good basketball player. He had a tremendous outing in the bubble. But, yeah, the Bucks proved that they're the better team. It's just, will they take care of business in the playoffs? I think the addition of Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker are showing great reward. I want to remind everybody that the Miami Heat were in on the James Harden trade. And there were several picks involved. But the reason the Heat would not make the trade is because they did not want to trade Tyler Hero. Who knows what could have been. We'll move on to the last series, uh, a team that did get James Harden, the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. Nets hosted uh, The Nets hosted Boston, and they beat them in the first game. They play again tonight on TNT. That one should be before the Laker game tonight. Um, so we get, we get LeBron, we get AD, we get Chris Paul, we get Kyrie, we get James Harden, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, all tonight on TNT. Um, you said this one was over a second ago. What do you think? Marcus Smart gave you 17. That's about the most he can do. Kemba Walker, 15. With the way his knee is, that's about the best he can do. You got Evan Forner, you know, 39 minutes, 10 points. He just He's not a factor. The Nets' big three scored 82 points, and they were, they were awful shooting in the first half. It wasn't even like they were having an okay day. They were awful and still scored 82 points. Um, the Nets, there's no questions about their offensive ability. Even when it comes to even Blake Griffin's playing decent ball, you have Joe Harris, who great three-point percentage. They don't play that many guys, but you're never going to be worried about their offense. And the Celtics, especially without Jalen Brown, are not going to test their lack of defensive abilities because what's the one thing we said about the Celtics going into the season? We said they're small. They have Tristan Thompson, but they need another big. I said they should get Andre Drummond. I was saying he would be perfect for the Celtics, but they're too small. They lose Jalen Brown. And what's the Nets' weakness? They're bigs. And honestly, I'd give the edge to the Nets on bigs in this series, even if it's Jeff Green and Blake Griffin. So it's Jason Tatum against the world, but it's strength on strength. And across their front three, Smart, Walker, and Tatum, you're going to take Kyrie Harden and KD in every single one of those matchups. And you could actually make a case, as much as I love Jason Tatum, that he's the fourth best player in the series. 
and he's unquestionably the best player on the Celtics. So I just think this was too much of a mismatch. The Nets were basically sleeping the first half and then just came out in the third quarter. Like, I remember seeing the second quarter. I was like, oh, Celtics, giving them a scare. I went and did something, came back. It was like four minutes into the third quarter, and you're like, what what happened? And the Nets just exploded. So yeah. Celtics are just completely overwhelmed here. We we both had a miss in the bubble. I think worst case scenario was them winning the first game and they're going home in about six days. Yeah, I don't think they have a chance at beating Brooklyn. They might get one lucky game out of Jason Tatum, as we called the other day. Would that's what it would take. Um but they're going to need more than just Tatum. They're going to need Kemba to, to really do his thing. And um, I don't know. I think Brooklyn in a sweep. It, Tatum Tatum played decent defense on KD. But but you would have looked at the matchups and had fun. You could have said Tatum and KD, Jalen Brown with Harden, and then throw Marcus Smart on Kyrie Irving or, or mix those three up. But without Jalen Brown, it's like, oh, Smart can still be a little annoying defensively, but – they're losing that offensive output. And it, against the team versus the Nets, you have to be able to score or play tremendous defense. And the Celtics can't do either. Yeah. And you have to do both. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up. I can't wait for a potential Brooklyn versus Milwaukee series because I think that has some matchup issues. So I think that'll be fun. So we'll see, though. Can't wait for the games tonight. Um, I haven't been able to watch a ton of basketball, but since the playoffs have started, I've been, been trying to chime into every game, and I hope to chime into both of these too. So Yeah, it sucks that it's on NBA TV, but don't miss my post tomorrow about Luca getting game two as well. Oh, yeah, he's on tonight too. Yeah, but they're on NBA TV because yeah. they're on at the same time as the, the night game. I think it's what? Um, who plays at 7? 7.30 so, Celtics Nets, which is going to be a blowout. 10, the Lakers' sons take over on uh, ESPN, is it, or TNT? And then uh, Mavericks' TNT. Clippers got kicked off on NBA TV, which maybe the Clippers will play better when they know the whole world's not watching. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we uh, we gave you some, some double downs and some changes of minds and talked some more NBA first-round playoffs. Uh, we'll be back next week to probably recap uh, – what's left of, of these series and there probably won't be a ton and maybe some NFL talk. I know there's uh, a lot of Julio Jones going around right now and there's still some Aaron Rodgers stuff. Um, we'll be back. Thanks again for listening guys. We'll see you next Take time. Take it easy.